Welcome to episode number 39 of the On The Record Sports Podcast. My name is Drew King. I am joined, as always, by Maine Nudging Editor, Nick Castillo. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. That wasn't your worst uh, title intro that no. you've done. Yeah, it was, it was pretty basic, Mananaging was like one of the weirder ones? Yeah, that was a good one, though. Okay. Nick, we're going to have to become a six-time All-Star Plot to join the Brooklyn Nets, but sign an extension with our current team for some reason. Pout, get traded to the Lakers, become a laughingstock in the league, sign with the Houston Rockets, see our career take a real downturn, become the most unlikable journeyman in the league, take a non-guaranteed veteran minimum deal to rejoin the Lakers, and accept perhaps the worst jersey number in all of sports. It's the, the Dwight, Dwight Howard, Howard podcast. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, I want really desperately wanted to say this, and I know it's not true because as you were explaining this person, I knew it wasn't uh, James Harden, but I wanted to say James Harden. Okay, just, let, just letting you know. Nick, it's our busiest time of the year, so I just want to jump straight into things. No, okay. no funny intro today. No, no Apologies. question. No question for you today. Okay. Well, I do have questions for you. Okay, but they're not. They're not yes. funny. They're yes. serious. All right. So this is a very serious podcast. It is a very serious podcast. So on Monday, San Marcos High School announced the results of the 2020-2022 UIL realignment. The Rattlers are remaining in District 26-6A, but they are the only team remaining in District 26-6A. So everyone else in the district is completely new. They pieced out. The new District 26 now includes, are you ready for this? My body is always ready. San Marcos, Austin High, Austin Aikens, Austin Bowie, Lake Travis, Austin Westlake, Buda Hayes, and Dell Valley. So, I think most people look at that list, and they see Lake Travis, they and see Westlake, West and maybe they look at Buda Hayes, and they're like, "This does not look good for the Rattlers." But Nick, tell us what your take is, because I know you kind of viewed this differently as most people. No, this was an incredibly good draw compared to the last realignment. I guess I just didn't understand. I mean, I, I get it. I think people look at Lake Travis and then they see reigning champ Westlake in there, and I think they kind of overreact. They're spooked. Yeah, but I mean, it's no it, the depth in the league is or the the district is not nearly as tough, I believe, as what they were previously. And uh, you look at this district, which had this district that there's that they're football played their last two years mm-hmm. in and, and these teams are finishing out you know baseball softball yeah. started basketball is going on so you had converse jetson yep always a perennial power yep you got sibilo Steele, who is also you know a, an up-and-coming power as well yeah for you sure. got shirts clemens another strong san antonio team it's the same town as who Sibolo won Steele. the district this past year yep um then you had east central and then you had smithson valley New Braunfels and New Braunfels Canyon. Yep. So it's a pretty, pretty deep district. Uh, when I look at this this new district or this new the new faces in this district since San Marcos didn't really leave the district, uh, I think it's a much easier draw. You take away take the, away the lumps that San Marcos will take against Westlake and Lake Travis because those programs are powers. They they've shown everybody that takes that lump. Everyone takes. I mean, teams. Westlake just won a, a state title, and Lake Travis went pretty far before they ran into 
North Shore. They ran into Galena Park, North Shore. Yeah. So, I mean, San Marcos is going to take take those lumps um, probably in football the most. I think they'll be more competitive in other sports. But when you look at San Marcos' previous district before the the one I just mentioned, mm-hmm. they already had Aikens. Bowie and Aikens and, and Del, Del Valley. Valley. Yep. And they won it, they, the year before they had won the district championship. So those are three teams that you're looking at that – you're gonna compete with i mean it's not like you're gonna struggle like you did this last this last year uh at least in football wise um and then you bring in austin high which i think is a team they can they can yeah austin high is not a powerhouse no and then and then hayes they've already been playing for the last two years so they're familiar Mm -hmm. they i know they haven't won either matchup but they've been competitive so yeah I just think the the overreaction to me was just kind of over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that's my take is I, I think this is a perfectly good draw for San Marcos when you look at what they've been in the last two years. And and I talked to Mark Soto right after the announcement came out. Head and coach, yes, uh, athletic, athletic director, director. Um, and he felt kind of the same way. He he did say it's kind of like going out of the frying pan and into the fire. But, um, you know, there is some familiarity with this district. He said, quote, I definitely feel like there's an advantage knowing who you're going to play. We're two years out of that district and having success in there is also reassuring to you. Of course, if you look into that district, there's a state champion and a semifinalist in there. So it's not like it's an easy district. But I think the other part of this is that the Hayes rivalry is become is going to become a huge deal now. Well, it matters and, now. And those games are going to be, yeah, like you said, they're going to matter now. And they're going to be rememberable. Like, even the games, the non-district games were very memorable because both teams were super competitive in those. And even, like, the baseball games, those games are oh, always baseball, super competitive. Not only competitive, but the fan bases hate each other, literally. Exactly. Um, and so Soto agreed. He said that's just going to bolster the rivalry between the two schools, and that's going to be fun. Um, so that all happened on Monday. Then Wednesday, we have National Signing Day, which, if you know anything about sports journalism, that's literally the most hectic day of the year for any sports department in the media. And we have a couple of local high school seniors who have signed to play the next level. So starting off, we have San Marcos Academy's Bryce Patterson and Gordon Murphy. They're both heading to Texas Lutheran University. It's kind of a cool story, Nick, which I wrote about at sanmarcusrecord.com slash sports. Or you can just search Drew King on our page and he'll, all of his stories will come up and you can read them all. Yeah, you can do that too. Um, but it's a cool story. Bryce actually had to sit his junior year because he missed the TAPS transfer window rule, which means like he couldn't have couldn't played. Play, yeah, yeah, he came in too late. Um, and so then his one season at SMA, he helps them get back to the playoffs for the first time since 2015. TLU starts recruiting him pretty heavily. And he tells them, hey, you should actually also take a look at my teammate, Gordon. He's really good, too. So they both get offered. They both get academic scholarships, which is really impressive. And they're going to room together this fall. Yeah, so it worked out really well for both of them there. At San Marcos, we have Jade Olivo, who played setter for the volleyball team. Um, She is also going to TLU. She's going to join former Lady Rattler Libero, Sally Contreras, who signed there last year. 
Um, and then Matt Dixon, who played tight end for the football team, um, he's going to head to Texas A&M Kingsville. And the Javelinas, right? Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? Or is it Javelinas? I don't I'm know. not quite. I have no idea. But if you want to read more about those two guys, our ace reporter, high school Intrepid correspondent, Deshaun Hartley, wrote about both of those players. And you can find that article online as well. Or you can just search Deshaun Hartley and yeah. read all his stuff. Or you can follow stuff. him on Twitter as well. That too. Last thing I want to talk about with you, Nick, okay. is Texas State's recruiting class. Okay. They brought in 19 players, which is not a full yeah, recruiting it's six class. short of a full recruiting class. But it's pretty close. And the guys they got were kind of impressive. It, it impressed me at they least. They got, what, 10 JUCOs? Is that correct? 11. 11 JUCOs. Yes. That was close. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was a significant step up from last year where Spavidal, Jake Spavidal, head coach Jake Spavidal, he was having to kind of... Just take anybody he could because he... Yeah, he had just gotten hired he, when, he, during the first signing day, let right. alone... And so this time around, you really class, saw yeah. his impact and, and what kind of he wants to... What kind of identity he wants to make this team. Um, when he talks about this class, one thing that stood out to me was that he said they wanted to change the profile of the team, the look of it. And bring in these bigger body types because quote this was a good one big people beat up on little people in football it's true it's true and it's the most eloquent thing Jake Stravidal has ever said that's kind of I'm what just, he I'm, I'm joking learned through his first season against Sunbelt team is Texas State was not as big as the rest of the conference so of the 19 recruits in this year's class Brock Sturgis, who's a running back, is the only player listed below six feet tall. And he, yeah, he's a he's, he's a running, running back. back. Yeah, so you don't need that height, that exactly. position. Although they brought in another running back who is also six feet tall. How, well, but I was more impressed with the statistic that you're. I think you're probably going to bring yes. up. Um, that I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed that you went through this data. Of, of players and decided that, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to average it. Yeah. Well, okay. Five of the 19 players are offensive linemen. The average size of those five linemen. Are you ready for this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess. Let me, can I guess? Yes. Can we get a game? Yeah. I know I don't get anything if I win. Let's say six, five, 295. Okay. A little bit smaller. Six, four and a half. Oh, okay. And 292. Oh, it was off by three pounds. Yeah. And 0. 0.5 over uh, That's still, half it's basically yeah. what you said. 6'5 yeah. and 295. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure like most of them are that size. And maybe yeah. they're... Or maybe they're under. You never know. Sometimes they beef kids up and sometimes they don't. You, yeah. You never know. That's true too. Um, so yeah, it's a huge signing class. They're also going to bring in a ton of preferred walk-ons, um, especially at the offensive line spot. Um, so that's, they're gonna to say they're gonna bring in a lot of offensive linemen, preferred walk-ons. Yes. Oof. They need depth. Yeah, that's 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 really not a place you want to have to go to the preferred walk-on. Well, I mean, they spot. already they already brought in five. Yeah, that's, that's fair. It just I'm surprised because you, you know you don't normally see preferred walk-ons go to linemen mm-hmm. because it's such an important position. You know, you go from. I mean, you, you, the game is really one up front. Right. Um, so just to go through all of the signees really quick. All right. Um, all 19 of them. Wednesday, they had three sign. 
Um, because they had already had the first signing day. Right. Um, so, yeah, the official national signing day, they got Zion Childress, who um, played quarterback and wide receiver in high school, but is actually going to switch over to the defensive side because he's that big. Um, they got Jacob Horn. Where's he gonna, where do they have him listed? Um, they still have him listed as a quarterback wide receiver, but Spavadol said they plan to move him to defense, uh, probably like a defensive back. Okay. Um, they, they signed Jacob Horn, who, I don't know if you knew this, is the son of former Pro Bowl wide receiver oh, Joe yeah. Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, who, he knows when that hotline blings. Okay. <laughs> Jacob Horn um, is from Tupelo, Mississippi. He's going to play wide receiver for Texas State. And then they also got a JUCO transfer in Derek Ray, who played for Trinity Valley Community College. He did a lot of good things there. Um, and then let's go to the early signees. They have high school seniors. These are the high school seniors. Um, three offensive linemen in Russell Baker. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Austin Markowicz. I'm going to believe you that you okay. got it right. I, I believe in you, Drew. And Trenton Scott is the third offensive lineman. And then they also got three linebackers in Twin brothers, Josh and John Emanuel. Love a love a twin situation. And Isaiah Nixon. They brought in a bunch of JUCO transfers in uh, wide receivers, Marcel Barbie, Drew Jackson from TJC. Uh, oh, shout out to your former stomping grounds, TJC. Shouts to the Apaches. Um, offensive lineman and San Marcos native, Alex Castilla. Alex Castilla. Also from TJC. Went to did he go to TJC? He did. Interesting. I, I don't know why I didn't know that. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think Castilla coming back is interesting because um, a lot of the time, you know, his last couple years at San Marcos, he was hurt a couple times, and I think that because he's got the size, I right? Mean, the, the dude's built. Yeah. And from what I've seen, you know, during his time at, at TJC, he's really like defined, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of strong built offensive line look. Um, I'm in, interested to see what he's able to do back in San Marcos. You know, now that it, it looks like that he's cleared up all those injuries, he's built well. You know, for the offensive line position, I think he could probably be a guy that you see makes an immediate impact. So I, I'm really interested to see what Castilla does. Yeah, um, they got a safety in Grid Isidore, who whose name I love, like Isidore? Grid 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 Isidore. That's a great name. And then they got linebackers Isaiah Carium. Kareem? How do you spell it? K-A-R-R-I-E-M. Kareem? There we go. I like that one better. Um, Pardon if if you happen to listen. Who who, who say this this kid's first name? Sorry, I didn't. Isaiah. Isaiah, if you happen to listen, we're sorry. We're butchering your names all up in this place. I'm I'm guessing Texas State didn't uh, give you a pronunciation guide. So um, here we are. Um, the other linebacker they got out of junior college is Maurice Wren, who I've heard a lot of good things on. He might be like an immediate impact guy. Um, and then they also got Brock Sturgis, who I mentioned before, is the smallest guy in the class, but I, he's going to be able to play right away as well. And then they got a couple of guys who are transferring from four-year universities. Are these guys that are grad transfers, or are these guys that are going to have to sit out? These are bounce backs. They're, they're, some guys are going to have to sit out, okay. um, p- okay. potentially. Uh, they're they're going to go gonna through, through the waiver, waiver process. Um, but those guys are Jamil Jeter. Jamil Jeter. Jamil? 
Mr. Jeter, we apologize. <laughs> um, he is transferring from Oklahoma State. He's a running back. The you know the last Oklahoma State transfer was pretty good. Yeah, he was. Kenan Brown, the tight end. About to play in the XFL, isn't he? Yes, for Houston, I believe. There's a Houston team? There is a Houston team. This is how much I've paid believe attention it or to the not. XFL. But hey, whenever we're recording this on a Friday, mm-hmm. it starts tomorrow mm-hmm. on the Saturday. I'm a little interested to see how this goes. Um, Silas Robinson, an offensive lineman who is coming from Arkansas. Um, interesting story about him. He is His dad was his coach in high school and was originally a quarterback but he just got so big that he became an offensive lineman i kind of love it yes um and then last but not least is tory spears who is coming from iowa state he's gonna play db for the bobcats so there is your 2020 recruiting class for texas state it currently ranks number five in the Sun Belt, according to it's not great bob 24 7 sports well compared to the last Ooh, what was Planet last class. year? I don't last remember. year, I think that was. I'm pretty sure they were at the bottom, or maybe number nine. Oof. Um, yeah, I, I only say not nice because they the first I believe the first couple seasons I covered them, they finished like number one twice. Really interesting. Now, to be fair, you know, I don't know that that whole class, those classes, have necessarily panned out, but they're stay, also. But stay tuned. They're also number ninety-seven in the FBS. Mm. Oof. So the two things that intrigue me the most about this class, the two biggest questions I have. Number one, how many of the transfers are going to make an immediate impact? How many of them are actually going to play well, and, next year? And it, I mean, at this point and at this level, you you need them to make an impact. Right. If, you know, seeing that they're able and eligible to play. Well, and especially because this team lost 22 seniors. That's a lot of holes to fill. And so I think that's why they kind of went the juco route is because they needed some guys who have at least some playing experience that and you know you know spavadol really doesn't have any time to waste i mean he's already had a three and nine season which you know ultimately we we weigh these seasons upon wins and losses but that team definitely looked a lot better in most most games if not all the games so you know, but, but when we're, we're really examining you know, head coaches, you know, it does come down to wins and losses. So he really needs these guys to step up. And, and I understand why you'd go the JUCO route in, in this instance. Because, like you said, they lost 22 seniors. And, like, as you said, you know, they need people to make an impact. You need experience at this point. You can't afford to play underclassmen and hope to have success. It didn't work for the previous staff, and I don't know that it would work with this staff either. One thing that stood out to me was that Spavadol mentioned when the word gets out that you've got playing time to hand out, word kind of gets around. And so that's why I think you did see the number of Juco guys wanting to play. And that was another thing that he said was like, sometimes guys are like, will you take me? And you just can't say no. Like they probably only planned to have two DBs in this class. And then Tory Spears said, will you take me? And they just couldn't say no to him. And so that's kind of how you get to 11 JUCO transfers. Because I think originally he only said he only wanted maybe five. And this is more than double that number. So I thought that was really interesting. The other thing I'm looking at is what the offensive line looks like next year. Because they've essentially brought in five guys to replace Aaron Brewer. Aaron Brewer was like five guys. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see 
how much of the size difference actually helps next year and whether or not that's a group that can improve from last year. Um, so I think that's everything. Nick, do you have anything else? All right, Drew, we got a question for you then. Okay. How would you feel about this Super Bowl? This Super Bowl, um, I lost some money. Oh, he, <laughs> guys, he lost like two bucks. <laughs> it was ten, but thank you. And um, no, I thought it was entertaining. Pat Mahomes is... Your beast Texan? Yes. I just wanted to bring him up, bring the Super Bowl up. Lowercase B, all caps East. East. Um, yeah, we've missed we've missed uh, some stuff, you know, with the podcast. Um, well, I noticed our... I noticed the Cowboys weren't in there. Hey, I got half of the prediction right. I picked the Chiefs, so yeah, I know the Cowboys dump total dumpster fire. Um, I guess we could go. You you want to run down a little Texas State sports? Little sports? Sure, uh, sure. You know Texas State. You know because I've been paying attention, and I know we kind of joked about you know how many points they put up last mm-hmm. night. 100 points and a win against Coastal Carolina. Yes, this team the men's tied, basketball team. is technically tied for second, gets the third seed at the moment because they lost their first matchup against Georgia right. State. But um, I, I kind of joked, you know, this is almost how Texas State, this is how Texas State wins. <laughs> Very uh, uncut gems. And yes. uncut gyms. Um, you know, last season, uh, having covered them, they started off so hot in Sunbelt play. Um and, well, they did lose their first matchup against Georgia State, but then turned right around and beat them on the road. But they started off so well, you know, played up to the point where they were the number one seed, and then it kind of crashed on them. Um, so I, I, I almost think that Texas State is better off when they start slow and build up to something as we get into the, well, the yeah. final stretch going into what, what's going to be here soon enough, March in the and, Sun Belt Tournament. And this year was almost the opposite in that they started off horribly they and they had a really tough schedule they start at georgia southern at georgia state at little rock which georgia state and little rock are the two top two teams oh, in the also, although I, league I'm right not now really sure where little rock came from to be quite honest that's a good question but also you know they had a much tougher non-conference schedule as well they played baylor and houston mm-hmm. uh, both on the road yep. um those are tough games i mean they're last year's they're, they're the twenty. 18-19 schedule was definitely not nearly as tough from a non-conference perspective as well. Yeah. So it really brought the record down. Well, and then the other thing, too, was they win at Arkansas State, and then they have to travel for a home game two oh, days later. that was weird. Yeah, I remember that. And so they lose Detroit. And so they start off 1-4, and four, and since then... I believe they're... Let's see. They're, they would have won only... They've lost, only lost one won, game. And that was that UTA... That UTA loss. UTA, we've discovered, totally has... They're 7-1 and one since going 1-4. and four. Yeah. UTA totally has Texas State's number. Definitely. That's it, that's I, a tough one. I think it's unfortunate because I, I, if I understand... If I remember looking at the schedule right, their last game is at UTA. Yes. Um, uh, that's really... No, sorry. Second to last Second game. to last game is at UTA. Um, I've been to College Park Arena. Is that what it is? Yes. Some, something like that. I think so. Um, I've been there for last year's game, and it's really not that intimidating of a of a place. But you know, this is that's a place they've struggled. I mean, they've I think they've lost the last five or six against UTA. Yeah, yeah. Ever since their win, Nigel against... Pearson. Nigel Pearson does not have a great record against the Mavericks. Well, and that we need to talk about him too. You know, he has become Texas State's all time leading, leading scorer. scorer. Yes, um, very impressive. Um, but I... it's even more impressive, you know, having learned about Nigel and his recruitment. 
Danny Casper, when I was when I wrote a story last year, and I'm sure he would tell anyone this, is that when Nigel was being recruited, he was not known as a scorer or a shooter. And I think we've commented before about how he doesn't always look like the prototypical scorer. But, you know, here he is. He's now in the history books as Texas State's all-time leading scorer. So it's quite a quite an a celebrated career, I guess we could yeah. call it. Even though, you know... They, they've been up and down during his career, and it's good to see now that they're kind of on that upward swing mm-hmm. in his senior year. So it'll definitely be a, a celebrated career for him. Well, and Nigel would be the first one to tell you that that doesn't that's not it doesn't not matter to him, but it's not as big of a deal to him as winning a championship would be to him. That's been his main goal since he's gotten to Texas State, and and they're on their way. They're getting. They'll have a chance in the tournament here. Um, but realistically, if he makes the buzzer beater shot against UTA, they'd be on an eight-game win streak right now. So Be in control of second completely? Yes. Because at this point, it's going to be kind of tough to to catch Little Rock. Yeah. They're three games back, and, and I know there's still plenty of time, but it's going to be a little tough to catch them. So, you know, that would have helped. They'll have they have a bunch of home games though they have four, which is a part of the reason why I think they started off so slow. Yeah, you know they had, they lost to because all the those Georgia, teams the that they swing. lost against early on. Georgia they'll swing get to play them again fun. at home. Yeah, they lost the Georgia swing, lost to Little Rock, and then came home for as you mentioned that weird you, Troy game. Troy game on a Monday when. And then they lost. So, Which, yeah. They, yeah, Danny Casper was not happy. They had to travel for a home game. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Nick, is that it? Um, do you have anything else? Do I have anything else, Drew? No, nothing else? Okay, Drew says no. I think that will conclude our 39th episode. We made it. Another one. Another one. We made as many podcasts as the number of points. CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony combined for oh, God. in the Trailblazers win over the Spurs last night. Which was Thursday night. Yikes. 39 points. Um, the Spurs were up big in the first half and then they let it go. Yeah. Shout out to the Spurs. Um, and they did not make any moves at the trade deadline. Are you surprised? I just... You wanted to get rid of DeMar? I wanted them to either make a playoff push or just go full on tank. Like... So here's the thing. You're why, too, why are you you're trying too, to be a bubble team? This, yeah, well, that's the problem. The Spurs are already too invested in trying to make a playoff push this season. That is, if they tank, what are they going to do? Get the 8th or ninth or 10th pick? You know, they're not going to get a at that maybe 10th at best. You know, it's kind of – you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. That's fair. Um, although, if they were to be in the lottery, they'd have the most good karma for them, chance that they win it. Well, I also feel yeah. I also feel like if there's a year to tank, and God, I can't take another bad Spurs year. Uh, if there's really a year to tank, it's next year. I think next year's draft class is a lot stronger than that's this a good one. Point. Nick, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, Drew, they can find me at Nick underscore Castillo seven four. And you can follow me, Drew King, on Twitter at Drew King zero two two two. And make if, sure if you haven't done that, what, what what are you waiting for? Follow Drew. That's true, but also make sure you follow 
our high school correspondent, Deshaun Hartley, who's doing a lot of really good work for us. You can follow him. His brand is so strong. At Deshaun Hartley. And also, make sure you follow the Daily Record Sports account at SMDR Sports. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you so much for listening. This has been On The Record Sports. We will be back soon. Yo, this is Patrick. They signed Jacob Horn, who, I don't know if you knew this, is the son of former Pro Bowl wide receiver oh, Joe yeah. Horn. Mm-hmm. Um, who, he knows when that hotline blings. Okay. Okay. <laughs>